Well, good morning, everyone. Um, as Jared shared, uh, my name is Chuck Simmons. This is my wife, Andrea. Um, I'm the full, we are the full-time campus ministers at Missouri Western. Um, you guys are very familiar with Missouri Western, but we do bring you greetings from Missouri. So many of you live in St. Joe, I'm sure. So just to give you a little bit of background from, um, of who we are. Um, we are originally from Hutchinson, Kansas. Um, we spent two years support raising, um, to be in campus ministry. We headed off to Florida. Ironically, that's where Tim's at right now. As a matter of fact, Tim is in the city where we actually served in Fort Myers, uh, Florida there at, uh, uh, Marco Island. So that was kind of crazy to hear him talk about that. So we've now been, um, we spent three years, uh, two years support raising. We were a year and a half in Florida and now we're coming up on two years in, um, at Missouri Western. So, um, we're excited to be here to present to you. It's been a long time coming. We have heard a lot about the Troy Christian Church, and we've tried to make efforts to get here, and we finally are here, so we're so excited. We meet on the college campus. Um, we presently don't have a campus house, even though that's our that's our vision and our prayer that one day that will occur. And we meet on the campus in either one of the conference rooms or in one of the lecture halls, and we focus a lot, as many of the ministries do, on our large group, on our life groups, and the one-on-one mentoring that we do. We also are very much into training our students to become the leaders that God has called them to be in the years to come, to be disciples who make disciples and can be leaders in their churches and in their their businesses and in their families, of course. Um, We had the pleasure the past few weeks to um, participate with the Flaming Spirit Christian Camp um, Sarah is the dean of next week's camp, and we're going to pop down tomorrow to see her. All um, all summer long during the camps, we are CCF and CCH in Maryville are the the missions that are being supported by camp. So we're um, it's been a pleasure to go down and meet some of the other ministers in the area, youth ministers in the area, to uh, meet with students to. Uh, learn about some of the graduated seniors and to speak into some of those that are um, yet to graduate. Um, so again, glad to be here. We're going to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture in the Old Testament, but a very profound ministry as well. So um, last semester, we had the opportunity to examine and learn about um, the lives of four young men in the Old Testament. Their names were Belteshazzar, uh, uh, Azura, Mishael, and Hananiah, or as you guys know them a whole lot more better, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get started this morning. Precious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for uh, who you are. We thank you for uh, the love that you put in our lives, the uh, the direction that you lead us, Lord. Lord, I pray that we can take a look this morning at the life of four young men and uh, the change they made in this world and in turn, Lord, an encouragement to us to the change that we can make in this world as well. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for everything that you are and everything you do and the change that you've made in our lives. It's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen. So let me give you a little background story here. Most of you guys know. It was 607 B.C. Babylon had 
I mean, let's, the Israelites had spent a long time with the Lord. They had loved the Lord. They had followed the Lord. They had times where they disobeyed the Lord, where they married into foreign um, nations, taking on their daughters and sons and started to worship false gods. And they had broken their allegiance to the one true God. And it was over and over and over again to a point where God finally allowed the powers, the the empire powers that were to come to finally um, invade the land and start shipping people off. Um, they did that into the city of Jerusalem. Um, and in 607, Daniel and his three friends, along with so many others, were sent off to different regions and different countries and different lands. And Daniel, there was burning of houses and there was a desecration of the temple and there would never be the same in Jerusalem. And these four guys, along with their friends, were shipped off to the capital city of Babylon. And they, while they were there, were there, they were retrained into the language. They had to learn how to speak the language and write the language. They had to knew, know all about the culture of Babylon. They had to become in and, in and of themselves Babylonians themselves. Everything about them had changed and never would they see the city of Jerusalem again. Never would they experience worship in the temple again. And this was a horrible time in their lives. And it, I can't even imagine if you guys, you know, 13, 14-year-old young men who were shipped off to another country and their lives would be changed forever. And in this story, we are presented with at least three, three life lessons, things that we were able to share with our college students this last semester. Um, three life lessons about these four characters. Now, the first of these has to do with choices. Choices that they had to make, choices that we have to make when it comes to our convictions. Howard Hendricks once said that a belief is something that you'll argue about, but your convictions are something that you'd be willing to die for. Arguments are, you know, beliefs are something you'll argue about, but your convictions are something that you'll die for. And all of us know that in the first six chapters of the book of Daniel, we see these four young men dealing with different struggles that they had to as they made this transition into being a part of the Babylonian Empire. The first of those areas is that they had to choose to make a stand when it came to the things that they ate and the things that they drank and doing this from the king's table, the eating and drinking that would defile them from their point of view because of their Jewish customs. So these four young men had to make a stand when it came to this. And it says in Daniel chapter 1, if you want to turn to Jan Daniel, Daniel 1 verse 8 it says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food or drink, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel, but the, Daniel, but the officer told Daniel, I am afraid of the Lord, our king. So this was a big thing. To go against what the king had said, that all of these young men had to eat from the king's table. But Daniel approached the official and God gave favor, and we know the story. Ten days they ask, feed us only vegetables and water, 
and we'll see what God does through us. So in that, Daniel and his three friends made a stand, and we know how it came out. But what is really kind of awesome is that as we take a look at these areas that they stood in their convictions, God also blessed them. In verse 17 it says, And to these four young men God gave um, knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. So as they began to say, we're going to draw that line in the sand. We, we obey God and we do what God has called us to. And in that, each time, we see that God blesses them. So, second story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, of course, get to a point of their life where they're faced with a dilemma of their own. Turn over to chapter 3, verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 feet high and 9 feet wide, and he set it up on the plain of Dura in the in the province of Babylon. Then verse 4. And the herald loudly proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do, O people, nations of, and men of every language. As soon as you hear the instruments played, you must bow down and worship the image of gold that Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship immediately Will, will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. So these three men stood when the rest of the crowd bowed and the trumpet blast blew and the music played. And I can imagine Daniel standing on the stage just cheering on his three friends. And the blessings that came of that, we see that they were thrown into the fire, but God was with them. And in the chapter 3, verses 28 through 30, it says, And then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angels and rescued his servants. They trusted him and defied the king's commands and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve and worship any other god except their own god. Therefore, the, a decree, I decree that the people of every nation and language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would be cut into pieces. Okay, cut into pieces. Wow. And their houses be turned into piles of rubble for any other God, for no other God can serve in this way. And then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to provinces in Babylon. So there it is again. They stand on their convictions. They do what they know that God is directing them to do. And God blesses them. They get promoted into their, their um, different positions. The last of the stories is the story where, where Daniel. Daniel is um, told that he cannot worship the Lord. And every day, three times a day, Daniel would be in his room with the window open that faced west to Jerusalem and he would pray to the God of Israel facing the temple who was now desecrated. And every day he would 
go before the Lord and then we know the story. Some of the, the, uh, other, the other servants, the other wise men, got jealous of, da- of Daniel and, and told the king that they needed to make a decree. That for these 30 days, you couldn't worship anybody, worship anybody but, um, Nebuchadnezzar and bow down to him. And, and Daniel, you know, said, I will continue to do what God has called me. Chapter six, turn over. Chapter six and verse 10. And now Daniel, when he learned that this decree had been published, he went to his house to his upstairs room where their window opened toward Jerusalem. And three times a day he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. Daniel said, I understand your decree, but I have a conviction to worship my God. I will not cease spending time with him on a daily basis. And Daniel as we learned, thrown into the lion's den, came out of the lion's den just fine. He was again promoted. And we see Daniel serving four different kings of two different empires, Babylon and Persia. And he was able to represent the one true God in these two empires because of his faithfulness and his willingness to stand on his convictions and what he believed that God had called him to do. Now let me ask you, are there areas of our lives? And I point at me just as well as I point at you. Because this morning when I was praying about this, I had to examine my own life. Are there areas in our lives that we need to make those stands? And some of us have been part of the church for all of our lives, but it's something that maybe we need to take a look at personally. Things that we are unwilling to give up or things that we will make that ultimate saying of the drawing the line. I will not allow this to become a part of me, but I stand on these things because they are my spiritual routine. And I think that these these areas of conviction can fall into two different ways. It's not about saying, I'll do this and I won't do this. and Because that's kind of hard, as we're campus ministries, ministers, that's kind of hard to speak that into students. But I think there's two categories that you can take these convictions and place them in. In the areas of spiritual disciplines. Things that we ought to be doing in our lives. And I don't know if you guys get this way every once in a while, but sometimes I get a little lazy in the things that I do to present myself in the presence of God. And that's personal time that you spend with the Lord in areas of reading, in areas of studying, in areas of praying for opportunity, praying for divine appointments, praying that God would put you in a place where you can represent Him. And also just the idea of walking in the Spirit in your day-to-day lives. Andrea and I has had some time to really, in our Sunday school class, focus in on the Holy Spirit. And as we live 
in the Spirit and speak in the Spirit and pray in the Spirit that God is directing us, we understand that there is power in that. And the other area, the other category would be that of just godly integrity. I love the definition of integrity of living in the audience of one. Understanding that there is a God who loves us, a God who directs our path, and a God that we work on daily to present ourselves in areas of integrity. Making godly choices in the way that we live. And in doing that, we're talking about Daniel and his convictions. There's also blessings that we receive when we stand and make these, these areas of spiritual discipline and godly, godly integrity. That it builds our faith. It builds our character. It, it molds us into who we want to be for God. And you know, when it comes to campus ministry, it's kind of crazy, is that we had to approach a situation that we never thought that we would have to. Um, with the students doing their in-person classes, they were doing online classes, and then they were also doing hybrid classes where some were in, some were out. And even though they were told that exams and quizzes and assignments weren't to be done with the open book or the use of internet, we had to deal with students cheating. And that's a brand new thing. I've never experienced that before because I thought that every young person that grew up in the church, every young person that, you know, has, you know, had any time in Sunday school would know that cheating is not the way you go. But we had several of our Christian students who struggled with this idea and came to the conclusion that it was just another resource, another way of getting a good grade in class. But the choices we make honor God. And it's a huge part of who we are as Christians. Now Daniel and his three friends also learned another important lesson. And that's a lesson of the need for community. Living in community. Now community is a place where you can belong. A, a place where you can grow alongside of other believers. And it is vital. It is so important in campus ministry that we create a, a community for the students to come and they can get this idea and this sense of I'm like you and I got you. I'm like you and I got you. And isn't that what we need? Isn't that what we need is to have other believers around us that can just let us know that I believe in the same God that you do. I build my faith and I am pursuing God in the same manner that you are. And I got you. I am here to encourage you. I am here to pray for you. I am here to come alongside of you. And when you've got troubles and when you've got questions and when you've got, you know, you know, bad stuff that happens in your life, I'm here. I'm here to encourage. I'm here to pray. I'm here just to be with you. And just that sense of you belong here. These four Jewish men, young men, were an encouragement to each other when they first came to the palace. 
It wasn't just Daniel that went to the official. It was Daniel and his three friends. And these four young men came together and asked the official for permission to do what they were planning to do. And in second chapter of Daniel, verses 17 through 19, we read that Daniel was approached by Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar not only wanted to know what his dream meant, but he wanted his wise men to tell him the dream itself. And they came up with the idea that nobody on this earth could ever do that. And Daniel feared for his life because there was a threat that if these somebody did not do what Nebuchadnezzar had asked, he was going to kill all of them, including Daniel and his three friends. Turn to chapter 2, verses 17 through 19. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained to the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And he encouraged them to plead for mercy from God, the God of heaven, concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. They stood together. They prayed together. They encouraged one another. I still envision every time they went through a challenge through the rest of their lives, I really do believe that these four guys looked to each other in that sense of community. And I believe it helped them as they dealt with these multiple situations that added to their fortitude. It added to their ability to remain faithful. How about us? We've gone through this COVID situation that we have all really struggled through and has caused many of us to have a sense of disconnect. I don't know if you guys do an online service, but there probably are still people that are still at home afraid to come and join the congregation and be a part of this body. In Proverbs 27, 17, it says that iron sharpens iron, and in the same way men sharpen each other. Hebrews 10, 25 says, don't neglect the assembling of the saints. We were never meant to do life alone. We need each other. So maybe there needs to be, if it's a safe place to return, and if you feel safe, maybe it's time to return back to the congregations. Because this, where, where the, the COVID seems to be going with the vaccinations that are out there to protect us, maybe it's time to get back and be reconnected with the body. Now we've learned that in campus ministry, the same is true. It's true of all of us. At CCF, we make efforts to build each other up in those large groups, in life groups, and in the one-on-ones. And maybe it's time, maybe it's time for the people in the, the churches to reconnect with one another 
when it comes to encouragement and accountability and brotherly love. The third thing that Daniel and his friends came to realize and something that we taught our students that was so impactful is the calling that God has on our lives. We need to follow the calling that He has for us. Now, each of us, whether we realize it or not, we are gifted individuals, just like Daniel and his friends were. And as we pray and make ourselves available, He is able to use us in so many ways. We need to be willing to live our lives and catch this phrase. We need to live our lives living on purpose. Living on purpose. That it's not an accident. That we have a calling on our lives. God has called us to come forth. God's ultimate purpose for Daniel's life was to make his name famous among the nations. It happened through the whole Old Testament, guys. If you take a look at at fellows like Abraham and his influence on the world leaders of his time, on Joseph as he went to Egypt, as Esther as she sat on the throne of Persian, the Persian Empire, so many of these characters were there to keep the name of God, the one God of Israel, up front. And Daniel was no different. Daniel served, like I said before, with under four kings of two different empires of Babylon and Persia. And as God served these kings, they came to realize who God truly was. And they proclaimed the one true God to be the one true God. Let me share with you some of the things that they spoke. As Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 2, verses 46 and 47, after he was given what the dream meant and was interp- he had interpreted, Daniel had interpreted what the statue meant. Here's what Nebuchadnezzar said. 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before Daniel and worshipped him. He commanded his people to offer sacrifices and burnt sweet offerings before him. And the king said to Daniel, Truly your God is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings and the revealer of mysteries. For you have been able to reveal the secret. Now don't get the idea that Nebuchadnezzar became a believer. Because a little bit later in his life, Daniel had to present another vision to him. The definition of the interpretation of a vision. And this vision was that Nebuchadnezzar would eat grass like a cow. That he would grow hair like an animal. And that hair would be like feathers of an eagle. And for a period of time, Nebuchadnezzar did that. And then, in chapter 4, verse 36 and 37, here's what Nebuchadnezzar said. When my sanity returned to me, 
So I did my honor and glory. So did the my honor, glory, and kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to the head of my kingdom. An even greater honor than before. Thirty-seven. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the King of Heaven. All His acts are just and true, and He is able to humble the proud. Now when Daniel came out of the lion's den, King Darius, king of Persia, had this to say. Chapter 6, verses 35 through 30, 20, 25 through 27. Then King Darius sent this message to all the people of every race, nation, and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone through my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people and he performs miraculous signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. I don't think, I don't know if you guys understand, but this is huge. We're talking about two different kings at three different times that gave glory and honor not to their false gods, not to the gods who they typically prayed to, but they gave praise and honor and glory to the one true God. And on the campus of Missouri Western and campuses all around the nation, this is what's happening. It is the goal of campus ministry and ours at CCF to make the name of Jesus famous on the Missouri Western campus. That's our goal. Our purpose, our calling is to bring His presence to the world around us. That should be our purpose as individuals as well. But not only just to make His name famous and shining our light so people can see, but as we did a a leadership training with our students that we've begun this summer. We read another passage. Another responsibility that we have in our calling. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we hear about the ministry of reconciliation. We're going to skip around a little bit here. Chapter 5, verse 11. Since then we know that it is, know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade men. What we are plain, what is plain to, that what we are is plain to God and we hope also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but we are giving you the opportunity to take pride in us so that we can answer those who take pride in what they see rather than what is in the heart. Skip down to 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for Him who died for them and was raised again. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. All of this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ Jesus and gave us the ministry 
of reconciliation. That God has reconciled the world to Himself in Christ, not counting men's sin against them. He has committed us to the message of reconciliation. And therefore, as Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making a compel, com, a, an appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. We all are called into the ministry of reconciliation. And I believe that's what Daniel did in his time. It's that he was drawing people back to the Almighty God. That's our ministry on the campus. That's the ministry we are trying to, you know, present to our students that they are ambassadors, that they are the agents of reconciliation. And I believe that's what God has called us to as well. Each one of us. May that change the way you think. May that change the way you see the people around you. That we are all called into the ministry of reconciliation. There are lost people out there that need to come back into a relationship with the one true God. That's our passion. That's our calling. That's our leading on our lives. It's also the passion and goal of CCF. It's not about filling the calendar with activities. It's about developing leaders who will change the world for Jesus. And that's what I've come to town to share with you. Stand on your convictions. Commit yourself to those spiritual disciplines and living in the audience of one. Get back into community if you've lost that. If you need to go deeper into that, go deeper. And understand you have a calling to make Jesus' name known and to be agents of reconciliation. Let's have a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for this time, the time that we can share together. And Lord, we just, we praise you. We love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the life of Daniel and his three friends. That is an example of how we ought to live. And Lord, we ask that you will help us to step up to the plate. Help us to shine for you. And help us to reach this lost world the salvation that we know. It's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen. Hey, I want to make sure, let you know, we have a table in the back. Um, we have a clipboard if you want to sign up for our newsletter. Um, we have some stickers and bubble gum and stuff like that. Cups back there as well. Come back and talk to you if you have any questions. And if you know of any students from the Troy area that are going to be going to Mo West or are going to Mo West, please contact us so we can you know, make contact with them and invite them to our ministry. Thanks, guys.